So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back. It's another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast coming at you. Toby and Leo joining me again this week. And we have all the action of another round of Super Rugby Artiloa, as well as some previews for next week, as well as Super Rugby Australia is kicking off this Friday. So lots and lots to talk about this week. Oh, it's feeling it's feeling a bit like it's getting back to normality here, boys. Four games in a whole weekend. I feel spoiled. Yeah, I might actually have to plan around my other activities to actually get to watch them all. This is, this is a wealth of a riches of rugby. But two slightly different rule sets, I think, so we're going to have to pay attention. Otherwise, we might uh, get a bit confused with how the, the ref's blowing the whistle. Yeah, get even more angry at the refs than we normally do for mostly valid reasons, have to say. So what, it's four games in good time zone as well for... For Australia and New Zealand, obviously, that's um, I think that's going to be a real push. If we can see some good numbers with audiences here, there'll be even more weight towards dropping South Africa out of Super Rugby. I reckon. Yeah, it does. It does definitely appeal because um, New Zealand have smartly gone with the Saturday Sunday, the Sunday afternoon game. When we had afternoon games here in Australia, we loved it, and for them to be playing, and then it's a sort of a just after lunch on a Sunday for us, one thirty on the eastern coast it's perfect timing it doesn't soak up your evening it's just there in the afternoon hopefully you can make time for it and it's it seems to be working well i can only imagine that yeah the four games of the weekend it's it's going to be really nice but let's jump into round three um of the new zealand competition and who would have thought after three rounds of competition the blues sit on top of the table still it was a close one versus the highlanders at eden park 27 to 24 the Highlanders really came back in the second half, but Blues still showing their class, showing their defensive prowess and showing a bit of their power, whether that's in the forwards or through their wings. Caleb Clark, another big game here. Yeah, we did talk a bit about Caleb Clark, and I think we picked our moment because he really shone this weekend. He was a real standout for the Blues, uh, making massive metres, busting through, offloading, supporting well, full package and got rewarded with a try to. Um, commentators couldn't shut up about him. He had a blinder. I think he got man of the match in that one. Yeah. Uh, and and the forwards for the Blues. I made the bold call that I thought the forwards would outscore the backs in this game, um, tipping the Highlanders to be a bit weak in, up front matching up, and didn't quite come true. It was evenly matched, two and two for the forwards and the backs. Uh, just you know, Blues just looking solid all around. Really aggressive defence. Uh, Highlanders had their moments, but they just look outclassed in a few different positions. Uh, the Blues are just rolling with this momentum. It's a good one to get this team out of the way. I, I feel like the Highlanders, because they're kind of the weakest at the moment, but they've still got some spirit. They're definitely the one that's going to be a bit underrated and could be good for an upset here and there. So um, good to get that one out of the way and, and keep the focus because it's a week off for the Blues and then it's the Crusaders at home. Must must have been tough for Caleb Clark as well, losing his granddad, I think, on the morning of the game. Mm. Um 
managed to persevere and, you know, put in probably his, his best performance in Super Rugby to date. So, you know, condolences to him. But I think, you know, looking down, his granddad would have been proud of him. He, he put in a great performance. So Blues, what can we say? They look like they've arrived. I think we can safely say now that, look, they're, they're playing with consistency. They're playing with potency and, you know, like it, it looks like maybe the Crusaders are going to be the only team that can stop them on this title hunt. Well, the thing that I noticed the most is the their sort of kicking and territory game was really the thing that just put them over the top in that first half. They were just constantly turning the Highlanders around between Sam Nock, Otero Black, Bowden Barrett, all putting in these little sort of biting kicks, taking just more territory, keep putting them back into the corners... And it just, it just wore the Highlanders down. And despite the Blues having a bit of a lapse in some of the defense to let the Highlanders through, but it just meant they were playing in the right, right um, end of the park. And they persevered through a yellow card again this week. Uh, I think they conceded some points, but they also put That's a try strong. in as yeah. well. Yeah. So, again, like not letting that um, hold them back, not changing the style of play, just just recognising that they've all got to step up that little bit more for 10 minutes and and keep keep the, the defensive line strong but still look for opportunities, which they definitely capitalised on. Uh, I noticed as well in this game, we're talking about the dominant kicking performance, good strategy. Bowden Barrett, I don't think he actually touched the ball for the first 13-odd minutes. So all that early pressure, all that tactical kicking, that was all Sam Nock and Otero Black, particularly Black, just pinning mm. them down in the corners and they just didn't have a response. Mitch Hunt was was kicking them all over the place, and um, oh, I've forgotten his name now. The the fullback had a real had a real shocker. Um, he he unfortunately Gregory he he had that kick charge down. He just looked a little bit slow to kind of react and, and didn't really put much distance between himself and the chasers. And they've just fallen on the ball to score a try. It was Papali'i, I think. That's yeah. you know again good forward support, good chasing. A bit of a bit of complacency there at the back. I, I don't think he was a, a great show at fifteen. Yeah, I think look, the Blues are—they're just changing the way they play in terms of they're chasing everything, they're fronting up in defence, they're doing all the little things that they used to maybe slack on. I think Papa Lee's try is a good um, example of that. Just chasing through, always being ready for that opportunity, and they're they're taking their opportunities. That's something that again they've. They've been known to squander in previous years. They're just, I don't know, they're right, right, they've got the right mindset. Kiriwani's not overplaying his hand. Satoru so in the in the forwards at number eight. Excellent game again from him. I can't really say enough good things about them. And um, even though Bowden Barrett, I think, has been central to this, you know, re-emergence of the Blues from what they used to be at the start of Super Rugby, I think that, He's still underplaying his hand at 15, and he's not as involved as perhaps I expected him to be. I think a Terry mm. Black's done really well so far, and it's pretty. It'd be pretty exciting um, as a Blues fan to see when they put up the the top Super Rugby scorers um, of all time in New Zealand, um, and the <laughs> top two are Blues players now in the in the form of Dan Carter and Bowden Barrett um, before not Andrew Rollins is the first one. It's very weird yeah. to see, isn't it? Yeah, and I think um, Justin Marshall had a go at that. He's like, come on, boys, that can't be right. <laughs> Having the double Blues logo there at the top when it's, you know, they barely, well, DC's scored no points for the Blues, but he's still got the logo there. 
So thinking about the Highlanders, as you said, Leah, like a bit of a forgettable performance from Gregory at the back there, but he was put in a really tough position coming into that 15 jersey and getting peppered absolutely with so many bombs um, to there, but a really tough outing for him. Um, where do you think the Highlanders are going to end up going with Nil? Well, we're hoping we're going to see Milner, Scotty and Iwani back hopefully next week, but it seems like they keep suffering setbacks. Yeah, that's right. Uh, look, I, I don't think we've ever seen Milner Scudder anywhere but 15 or possibly on the wing. I expect he would go to the back. I know Ioane's played at the back as well, but I think Mitch Hunt's probably not lighting the world on fire. Uh, he's a bit small. He's, he's kicking's a little bit wayward. He had a few really good clearances, but also some that were a bit average. Um, I don't know if he's a lock to keep that spot. The the pairing in the centres of um, uh, Rob Thompson and Sarah Tomkinson, um, those guys are, I think, not going to be displaced by Ioane, say, coming in an inside centre. So I would expect Mitch Hunt is probably on it in the fight of his life to keep that spot when Ioane comes back. I think Milner Scudder goes to the back, and I think the team looks a lot better because that's a couple of really big players, good leaders, good communication. Um, that's just where they feel like they're a bit of a tier below the best sides in the New Zealand competition at the moment. Their forwards, though, are still standing up. And, I mean, you said it um, before, they sort of stood up to the Blues in this one. They're people like Perry Perry Parkinson in the front and um, and Shannon Perry, Frizzell. Perry. Shannon Frizzell. <laughs> you say Perry Perry? What is, is it? Perry Perry. Perry, Perry. Perry. It's Perry Perry. It's close. It's just, it's just. He just looks so. No, I'm not going to say that. That's that's a weird thing. But Shannon Frizzell, <laughs> I want to talk about because there's been a lot made of what the back row of the All Blacks is going to look like, and he's a guy that sort of came in, got his debut, but then has struggled to sort of maintain sort of a spot in that team. But he. I think he was probably the most exceptional of all the back rowers on the field in this game. Mm. It was pretty prominent. Yeah, yeah and he, he scored a good try. Um, the, the He does stand out. There, there are other back rowers and, and their second rowers. I, I thought Pari Pari, I've seen, um, seen him have a few good games before, like in the last year or two. I'd I thought he looked a bit tired in this one. I don't know what it was. He didn't look like he was having as much impact, particularly in the second half. Um, but, yeah, look, there's there's the, the nucleus of a few good forwards there. Uh, I don't know if it's, it's... It's still just not looking like a very competitive outfit. I still... I like... Yeah, I was kind of in agreement with Archer. Their, their forwards were still pretty strong. And, I mean, they got within three points of the Blues. I still think that's a pretty good effort given the quality in this Blues team. But, yeah, I, they've lost now Sam Gilbert. I thought he started well on the wing. Um, that's why I was thinking, Lee, I know you're thinking Yuani goes to 15. Uh, sorry, Yuani goes to 10. I was thinking Yuani might go to 15, and then you put Milner Scudder on the wing there. Because Nareki's pretty strong, and then you've got the centres that are quite strong. I'm still not too unhappy with Mitch Hunt, but I can see why people would be critical of him. And he's not an imposing presence on the field really at all. Um, you got probably the smallest halves combination that I've ever seen there with Aaron Smith and Mitch Hunt, like not imposing at all. Um, 
So I think their back line has definitely got some work to do, but I, I can see some good signs from their forwards and even some of the veterans like Ash Dixon, um, yeah. you know, they step up to the mark every game. So I can't fault them too much in that respect. I think this is probably their best game for a while, mm. um, but just not enough. Well, I mean, they had their opportunities to kick penalties to tie this up, to get those late tries, and they just couldn't quite convert it. And it I mean, it came down to some good defence by the Blues and then just some poor accuracy and kicking. Um, but I think, I think you guys are right. Like they're, they're a team that could, on any given night, probably stand up and, and snatch a win off someone un- unexpectedly. Um, let's talk about the other game for the weekend, and it was a very wet and windy one down in Christchurch. First game at home for the Crusaders um, versus the Chiefs, and people thought that it was going to be a bit of a shellacking for the Chiefs here, but they definitely stood up. It took uh, some really remarkable efforts um, from the likes of Severis and Will Jordan to to grab a couple of quite lucky tries, really, if you're going to look at them for the Crusaders to get over here. But they take the win, 18-13. I don't know if you can say lucky for um, that Will Jordan try where they took the quick line out. That's just being alert to the situation. And, you know, it's probably, there might be half a dozen times in in the game where the Crusaders are thinking, maybe, maybe we should give this a go. And the guy runs the line and puts the effort in. They choose not to. And you go, okay, that's all right. Maybe, maybe there was a, a window, maybe not. The fact that they're thinking that way and, and they're putting in the effort and then, you know, it's only one pass. The full breakout goes the length of the field almost. Um, that's that's the Crusaders, always alert, always in the game, thinking about opportunities that the other the, the defenders aren't even considering themselves under threat. The ball's gone out, they switch off, they start thinking about lineouts. Crusaders are like, no, nah, this ball's still live. We know the rules, we can make use of this. I thought Will Jordan, again, was excellent. I think... It's amazing the Crusaders, they, they get these guys in, they play a few games in, in a preceding year, and then the next year they come out and they're just absolutely on fire. And you saw it with Enor, um, both this season and last season, I think he's still emerging. But just the amount of young talent and the systems they can play to there is just amazing for the Crusaders. And obviously Razor Robinson is a big part of that, but Crusaders have just been doing it for years. They churn these people out. And if you look at that team, even that forward pack on paper... There's a lot of new names there, like Cullen Grace, you know, Billy Harmon, even Fetu Douglas. Like, he's not a full-time number eight in that starting team. You're missing um, Barrett in the second row. Um, You've yeah, lost Kieran Reid. You lose guys every year, or every couple Matt of years, Todd. and and they, they don't seem to skip a beat. It's, it mm. is remarkable. They do what it takes to win. They play to the conditions so well, and this... This game wasn't particularly, apart from a few moments, it wasn't a great spectacle. But again, they, they took apart a Chiefs team that was throwing a lot at them. Um, and they never panic. I just, I can't really praise the Crusaders enough for the way they play and the way that they stay composed in, in key moments. Um, and all they need is some brilliance from some of these key guys, Severis, um, Will Jordan, and bang, they're ahead on the scoreboard. And Will Jordan, like... To me, you look at a player like um, Jock Campbell up at the Reds. You've got like a fairly lean, quick, obviously skillful, but you know initially when you first see them on the scene, they're not that bulky. They're not imposing. They have their moments. They they maybe get in some good spaces and and score some tries on the end of good backline work. Um, and I can see players like that. I think at the Reds, Jock Campbell's going to do great things. But in other times and other teams, 
those sort of guys kind of fall by the wayside. They never really break out. They don't hit that next level and maybe they don't get to the right size and um, to, to really kind of cement their spot. And these guys go to waste. And then the Crusaders are just a factory for producing, you know, useful, talented guys um, from the stock they've got. And there's there's not that many that they discard. So it's it's just amazing. You think, think, think back to when... He was a bit of a, a bit of a weed, and then all of a sudden he's playing fullback and looking like a star. He's just that more mature yeah. player, and the Crusaders he's, do that with everyone. He's looking like he could potentially start for the All Blacks. I'm not saying he's will, he will, but he's he's very close to to reaching that level, I think. And I mean, if anything, the Crusaders we've seen it time and time again. They can take, or even the other New Zealand franchises can take Australian players, and suddenly. They're starting in the front row, like Michael Alatoa or, you know, Angus playing Angus Tarver. I mean, he originally came from New Zealand, but still, like, Waratahs, Rebels, teams like this, you know, they seem to squander talent, and the coaching in New Zealand just seems to be far stronger. And I think we're seeing so many good young coaches in New Zealand at the moment, you know, with the likes of Liam McDonald, um, Aaron Majors there at the Highlanders. Like, they've got a lot of guys coming through that are – in their early 40s. So, um, yeah, I think just Australia needs to invest more in talent um, through their coaching. I think that's that's the key message here. Okay, so we can we can all agree that the Crusaders are pretty good then um, pretty much everywhere in the park. And, look, they showed it there, but I think we need to talk about how well the Chiefs played in this game. The first two weeks, like, first week they were obviously... A bit unlucky, losing down at Dunedin. Like we said, the Highlanders are a team that can put one over anyone. The Blues last week, they didn't play their best, though they were in those wet conditions once again. I think in this, they showed a bit more of flashes of what they could do. Damien McKenzie looked dangerous every time he touched the ball. Um, Anton Leonard-Brown continuously like just works so hard in defence and attack, and it was always like either doing damaging tackles or big carries himself. Um... I think there was, like, glimpses of a Chiefs team that, that, I mean, they could have won this game. You take away that big bomb that Seba Reese catches and manages to scoot away with for Will Jordan, and someone just is has their eyes up and tackles Will Jordan as he takes that line out, and suddenly the Crusaders don't have any tries. Mm. They were against the run of play. They were not like they were pushing on the line for huge amounts of time. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. And the Chris, uh, sorry, the Chiefs. I think went into this game. They must have decided they were just going to take every opportunity because for a wet weather game, and you know what, what initially happened, a lot of um, ball going to ground and and you know um, inaccurate passing, probably again from the conditions. They stuck with that. Like they they kept pushing the limit, kept trying to go for the offload and go for the extra pass and. You know, swing it wide, edged, edged quickly. Even given the conditions, I think because they knew that they they really needed to try and put the Crusaders away with tries, and it didn't mm. come off. But obviously, they did enough to stay very close. So, in fair conditions, with that mentality, again, the Chiefs are still one of the better teams. Um, they they just seem to be on a on a hard run at the moment. Things haven't fallen their way. I think they're still going to just keep throwing everything at this season, knowing that it's so short. You just can't afford to be too conservative. The defence seems to be standing up at least, so that's a good platform to get some points later. 
I think, yeah, they just need to throw the Crusaders off their game more and they couldn't do that. Maybe on a dry track that would have been different if you can score more tries in a condensed period of time. Maybe do get the Crusaders playing a bit more expansive and played into the Chiefs' hands a bit. But, um, yeah, Warren Gatland, how is he feeling? Who wins on the board? Um, I think he's probably pretty pumped to get back to New Zealand and hasn't been the dream start that he expected. Well, we talked about that maybe this was a subtle plan, thinking that he could take the Chiefs' job for a couple of years while he does the Lions and then hopefully take an All Blacks position. But if he doesn't have success with the Chiefs, that's going to be make it very hard for the the All Blacks and the, the people of New Zealand to push for him to be the, the national coach. You've seen how hard it is to get that job. Like, Scotty Robertson hasn't really put a foot wrong um, with the Crusaders, and yet mm. he's still waiting for that opportunity. Um, the All Blacks are so um, protective, I guess, of their nat- national setup, um, and they make people really earn their stripes before they get that opportunity. So you can see why Gatlin would think he maybe is in the box seat for, for you know next next offering. But Scott Robinson might, if he just keeps plugging away with the Crusaders and winning winning the odd title in the next three years. I could see why they'd go for Scotty Robertson over Gatland. So we've got games coming up this weekend for New Zealand. We'll talk about those before we jump into the Australian previews. Um, we have the Chiefs hosting the Hurricanes. That was on Sunday. And on Saturday night, we've got the Highlanders hosting the Crusaders back down in um, Dunedin. So like we said, this is the chance where um, the Highlanders can step up for any team. Any chance you give them to knock over this Crusaders team after two strong performances? Not a great deal of chance, but home game. And if if do we have a timeline on Milner Scudder or Yuani? It's it feels like it's week to week, but then yeah, last week was they were ruled out pretty early. They still haven't given a multiple week sort of setback thing, so it seems like it's they're checking them every week. They're testing fitness, but. We haven't heard anything about this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think if they're back, absolutely, there's a there's an opportunity to shake up the Crusaders and maybe maybe upset them there. But um, with the current team, I think it would have to be it'd be pretty long odds to to see the Highlanders to knock the knock the Crusaders over. Unfortunately, I think that again the quality across the board in the Crusaders measures measures up well against the Highlanders. And the home crowd's only worth so much. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think the Southern Classic down there, it's a, it's a big game, um, you know, regardless of where it's played. Under the roof there at Forsyth Bar, look, the Highlanders will have plenty of support. It'll be, it'll be a pretty packed-out game. Um, but I just get the feeling, again, the Crusaders will, with their quality, they'll just take them apart, and I think they'll get an easy win. Quick, quick one. Would you? Who would you say is the top three star players active for the Highlanders? Like Aaron Smith's one of the stars. Yeah, biggest star for sure. Yeah. Who, do you want to say Shannon Frizzell? I'd say one Shannon of the big Frizzell. names at the moment. Yeah, Frizzell. Um, look, I mean, on you could argue even that it is Liam Coltman, if you're looking at All Blacks, I would probably talk about guys like Rob play. Thompson or Joshuani. Yeah. So now, compare those three. If, if you take the centres or you take Aaron Smith or you take Shannon Frazil, 
who are they facing up against from the Crusaders? So the Crusaders have Bryn Hall and Drummond. Yeah. I mean, they're not as good so as Aaron Smith, good but as they're Aaron pretty Smith. good. They're, they're pretty good. And we're, we're not picking the Crusaders' best three here. We're just seeing how their equivalents match up. The centres, you've got old, old Mullethead and Braden El- Enor. Yeah, good to you. And Enor versus Tomkinson and Thompson. Yeah. Awesome, awesome centre pairing. Yeah. Well, well, well and truly... I would say stronger in their in their back line and as a combination, and then in the back row, Cullen Grace your... versus Shannon Brazil. Cullen Grace, um, Cullen Grace is Maybe brand new, so but he's showing quite good. Like he's had some mm. really standout mm. games, probably not in the last week or two, but in the early Super Rugby. But there wouldn't I... there wouldn't bottom line there wouldn't be many positions where you'd select Highlanders players over Crusaders players across that fifteen. Yeah. yeah, well, I think that's probably I think just, two, which is probably Shannon Frizzell and Aaron Smith and everyone else. You would yeah, just pick yeah. the Crusaders. Pretty much. And and you look at the leadership from the Crusaders, like, you know, you've Cody Taylor to compare to um, Ashton Coltman. Oh, well, Ashton was starting, but I think yeah, Coltman's a better hooker, but yeah. Yeah, so either way, I'm, like, I just don't feel like one-on-one, I think the Crusaders have their number easily, and that's why I think it'll take quite a lot um, you, you need a couple of extra star players, a couple of mature heads, a couple of you know skill players to come back in and really lift that team to make them competitive. Margin? 15. Yeah, that's about what I had them at against the Chiefs. I was pretty bullish. Um, I think it's I think it's warranted in this game. I don't I don't see it coming back the other way. Under the roof. It's... It'll be a dry track. They'll be looking to score points. It is surprising how close, though, all these games have been. Like, there's, they're not these big blowouts. Like, teams just don't give up. So, mm. I think you, I think it could be smaller. I think it could be sort of nine points. But, yeah, Crusaders still. What about the Chiefs? Is this their chance to get their first win? Um, we know one of the teams is going to leave having finally claimed a victory in Super Rugby Aotearoa. Is it the Canes? Is it the Chiefs? Uh, Chiefs for me, Arch. I think... Um... They'll get their first win, particularly because the Canes have been the bye. I think the Chiefs, that game against the Satyrs would have actually, like you say, they played relatively well. I think it would have given them a little bit of confidence. When I look at the team on paper, I'm like, that's a pretty damn good team. And I think it's only a matter of time before they really bring it together. Hopefully, you know, up at home in, uh, or is it Waikato? And it's in Hamilton. So hopefully you get some good weather for them and um, Mackenzie can really open up on, on the Canes. But yeah, I'd take the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm going to lean Chiefs as well. I think the Hurricanes' back line is still full of stars and, and they just, just can't seem to, to play as a, as a unit yet. And I don't have confidence that coming out of the bye, something's changed. I think um, Jackson Garden Basher just <laughs> doesn't really doesn't really unlock the best of those guys and they start playing one out. Lamarpi did it a bit their last game and it, it only works... To a point, um, Chiefs holding up against the Crusaders is a good sign. They are trying to play for their first win. I think overall, I expect them to finish higher on the table. The only way they get there is by beating teams like the Hurricanes and at some point the Highlanders. Yeah, and I think like having Sam Kane back on the weekend made a massive difference. I think to that Chiefs forward pack, um, I think that really helps. And they are they are like going to a bit of a bigger sort of forward pack as well we're not we're not sort of seeing the same 
um, just uh, five flankers in the in the back five of the of the forward pack. You've got like the young guy uh, Akoi, I think his name is, um, who's someone they've they've talked a big game about. Um, but you put him down. You got Sam Kane. You got Sawakula at number eight. There. You have got some big bodies around, and Jacobson. Jacobson, um, who we haven't quite seen coming out as yet, Luke Jacobson, but will hopefully be back soon. Um, yeah, I think I think if that if they have that sort of solid footing with those guys, um, I keep saying the the Canes forward pack, they've got a lot of heart, but they don't have the same sort of size outside Artie Sevilla. What will be interesting, and um, it's I guess it's a bit of a bit of a segue onto the officiating. Did you guys think the officiating was a bit different this week, round three? I I reckon they went a little bit more relaxed on the rules that they've been trying to keep focus on, but particularly on players advancing after being held. There was definitely more examples where guys were being able to roll and kind of shuffle their way forward. Even that almost the rugby league kind of hop up and kind of try and leap out of the guy's grasp around your ankles just to gain a little bit more territory. Um, that sort of thing and, and any any of that looseness around the ruck, I think that helps the Canes because they've got potentially more fetches in that back row and they might just need to try and keep the ball off the Chiefs and if the refing's going to allow that, then that's an opportunity for them. Yeah, it's weird. I think we see this every year with Super Rugby and I think the restart's been no different. Like They go so hard on these rules or particular points early on in, in the campaign and then start to relax their officiating and I think we're seeing it again. And I think that's because, you know, when there are too many penalties and, and stop-start play, like, it ruins the spectacle. So I think the referees, whether they meet on this and discuss it at all, I'm not sure, or just organically starts to occur, I just think the spectacle um, and flowing rugby becomes a priority, and I, I think they relax. Um, it's either that they relax their officiating or the players... Um, are, are, are actually better, behaving are a better. lot better, and they they adapt to it. Maybe it's a bit of both. <clears throat> I, think I think it's a bit you, of both. You definitely you definitely get to a point where there's a better game of rugby um, to watch, and it's not dominated by guys like Ben O'Keefe who just have absolutely no idea what they're doing. So, um, yeah, look, I think it's it's been better. I, I was still a bit baffled by this interpretation of the mall, where you know you kind of you get the ball carrier all bound up, and then if you at all try and drag him to the ground, it's seen as collapsing the mall. Uh, whereas in, in previous seasons, probably for a long time now, there has been situations where the mall's gone down after it's been kind of made static, and then everyone just piles on, and that's fine. But I think now they don't want any sort of dragging down of, of the mall, regardless of mm-hmm. whether a player's been bound up by the other team. So it's a, it's a different interpretation of that. Um, maybe a little fairer on the attacking team, but um, yeah, very different to what I've seen over the last decade or so. I actually really liked the way that that Chiefs Crusaders game was um, refereed, especially early on. There were a couple of times when he's actually called. It was a new ref I hadn't actually seen before, um, but called penalty advantage gone even after not moving that long, but had a couple of phases to attack and just said, "No, nope, that's yeah. enough." Really nice and short. And just said, no, nope, you've got enough advantage. Like, you've got clean ball. You've got the opportunity now. You don't just get to keep that on for for ages and phases and phases. 
Yeah, well, they had the opportunity to, you know, chip over the top, go for a drop goal, um, press them into the corner and chase hard. Like, they, they didn't opt to do that. And we've talked about it before. We don't think if you don't move forward, then your penalty advantage shouldn't be infinite. It should be on a bit of a timer because you've had the control and the possession and there haven't been further infringements. It gives the defence an opportunity to get out of penalty advantage because otherwise it just becomes inevitable and you might as well kill the ball there and, and not lose the time if, if a team's pressing and trying to just chuck a couple more points yeah, on. exactly. Um, so speaking of obviously the rule changes there, Super Rugby Australia has some different rules. Um, again, they, they've added in a super time, they're calling it, or an extra time to stop any draws happening. Um, they've brought in the 50-22 or the 22-50, um, which is similar to the 40-20 um, in rugby league that was being employed by Rapid Rugby. Um, and they've also got rid of some of the things that would make um, further scrum, so being held up over the line for instance, um, and taking the ball back over results in a goal line dropout rather than a five-metre scrum. Um, and there's been a push to not have so many scrum resets, so there's no real definite laws around that. Just, I think, a push for refs not to um, constantly reset scrums. So if, you, if you're if you bringing the ball out of your in-goal area, get tackled and push back into that, um, place the ball down, then you, as the team with the ball will then drop it out from your own goal line. Correct. Rather than having the opposing team get the five meter scrum. Correct. Don't know don't know about that. Is it a, a little bit too similar to league? <clears throat> yeah. Is it a little bit less advantageous to the attacking team doing that? Yeah, well, well to the a team, five meter yeah. scrum, middle of the field versus having the ball potentially booted. 50. You know, yeah, it could be kicked fifty meters. Okay. Um yeah, it is interesting. We'll we'll have to we'll have to wait and see if it's it's probably not going to have a lot of impact. Like that doesn't happen a whole lot. The idea of getting held up, like if you charge over the line and get held up, and then you get sent back to halfway or the forty meter line, that feels pretty rough too. Um, also, but that's the, different. If you're if you're the attacking team, you go to score the try and you get held up. It's still a five minute oh, scrum that's, in that. That's still a five minute scrum. Or is it? Thought, I don't but think I could so. Be wrong. Hmm. We'll have to, see. yeah. Not sure about that one. Um, um, I also yeah. wonder with the like the fifty twenty two and twenty two fifty stuff, like how much more will that encourage teams that are a bit weak but have one guy with a boot to kick? Like, are we going to see the rebels with all their big big boots just suddenly go and stop trying to run the ball and just chase chase those um, sort of set piece positions and like that? That could that could. Know backfire in terms of the spectacle, and then also teams like the Waratahs don't really have a big boot that I'm aware of. Like they're like Maddie, maybe Maddox, maybe Maddox be a proponent of that. And so, like, are they even going to have access to that at all? Um, I understand the point is to push the wingers and the fullback back, create some space behind the defensive line. Maybe there'll be some more, um, you know, grubbers or chips, and just trying to use that that zone in between the two lines, but what will the Waratahs do if, if the team assesses them and says, you know what, aside from when Maddox has got it, you don't really have the the boot to, to take advantage of that, then it's not going to amount to anything for them. And for the Rebels, it might amount to a lot more. And just to clarify, if, 
It has to be along the ground, right? You can't. Yeah, it has to bounce. It has to bounce. I don't. I still don't like that necessarily for the team kicking out of their twenty-two. I don't mind it when you're behind your fifty and you just punch it in behind. I think that's like quite a good attacking thing to do. But to to one bounce it out of your twenty-two just past the fifty and you get the line out. I feel like that's not particularly. Like, it's not a high bar to set to actually get the ball back. Could be wrong. I just, yeah, it seems to me that that's, that happens quite often. Obviously, um, you can defend it because it's got to touch the yeah. ground. So well, teams that's, that's the hope it. that you're going to yeah. then have to have your wingers back on the line pretty much the entire field because if they're up in the line, there's too much space behind them. So, therefore, there's one less person defending up in the line. Therefore, <clears> there is just room around the sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have to see how it's... how much it's actually used because I think initially I'm sure people are practicing these skills, but it's not a natural thing to be doing in the game to be out of your 22 at least to be trying to make the ball bounce. Obviously, you want to get a a good clearance. You're focused on getting the ball out of play. Um, you don't want it to trickle down the line. They pick it up and and counterattack. So. That's one aspect I think the mindset needs to change. Um, but hopefully it just leads to more attacking football. That's what we want, right? Yeah. It's just I don't want too many rules to come in where, I mean, we're going more towards a league um, outlook with two of these rules. Um, we'll just have to see. It's experimental, I know, and that's, that's, it's the time to do it. Let's be honest. It's the time to actually have a go at these rules, and then, and then we can make a decision for next year. There's always going to be unintended consequences. We'll see how it plays out. It's interesting yeah. the league the league rule change with the six again for um, you know guys infringing at the ruck turns it almost into more like a union trait where they get more flow, more phases, and that wears down the defence more quickly. So we're just yeah. we're just seeing both potentially picking the eyes out of each other and deciding what what gives them uh, a better appeal. Speaking of which, I think, I don't know if you guys covered on last week's podcast the suggestion about the All Blacks playing the Kangaroos. Might be a good time to touch on that. Yeah, so there has been sort of notions that they're going to push for this at the end of the year. Um, The All Blacks facing the Kangaroos in what sounds like it'd be a game with um, each half having different laws of the um, relevant code. Yeah. it's strange that it's it's the kangaroos and the all blacks and they haven't even mentioned doing like the the opposite of that with the wallabies and the yeah um i don't even know which i is, agree yeah the new zealand rugby league the, team as well but yeah but i, don't I feel like this isn't going to prove anything because they've waited like five years past the best teams that could have played that game yeah i don't <laughs> well, i agree a, that it's a financially respects. driven thing they know how yeah, much yeah. money can bring this both codes have suffered a lot with lockdown and suffered with shortened seasons. And this is a way for one, giving the fans more sort of spectacle and one bringing money back into the codes. I think as long as Phil, I think it's a good thing. Oh mate, he's going to be involved. You know that Uh, he'll be walking around the field doing his little spiel. Um, I think the all blacks have far more to lose in this, this type of game than the kangaroos. I, I think a lot of people would expect the leagues to win, um, just given the rules that probably will be in place. But 
Yeah, I just think the All Blacks brand having a winning percentage of over 90%, you know, career. So they're they're the really they're the pinnacle of, of world sport in terms of an organization and the kangaroos although they have a name i think you know they have been beaten in recent years um so yeah less to lose i think what would be interesting if you had these kind of two teams australia and new zealand and you just picked from both league and union players and and got like a hybrid team together to basically play to the strengths of each of each rule set for the halves, mm. that would be interesting as well. And you'd see, you know, how many Wallabies would make. It. You'd see Hooper in there, so you get a real blend of players. Or maybe you split it equal, like evenly. That'd be um, interesting because then you wouldn't have league players that don't know how to work out a ruck or a maul. Um, yeah, so you could focus you could almost like seven. You could say, okay, these, these are your like often you you'll just say, well, you're kind of more in charge of doing ruck work. And then the league guys will do some of the other stuff. Like it's, it's an interesting concept. I think this is a good starting point, but I think it's fair as well that maybe the Wallabies should play the New Zealand Rugby League team. I think that could have a double header. How good? Just get it done. Like it's the end of the year. There's not going to be anything going on. I don't think we're not going to see any end of year tours now to Europe. So let's um let's capitalise on that that spare time that players will have and. And get a bit of a, a you know double header or just you know multiple weekends of this. I reckon Mostly. it'll be interesting. Right, it's, it's still just rumours at the moment, so it'll be interesting if it actually happens. Um, so it's one of those things that it gets talked about every couple of years, and then nothing comes from it. So I think this is the best chance we've had in a while for it to actually see I'm this on board. happen. Um, I'm on board. Let's talk about this weekend though, and we start off on Friday night. Reds versus the Tars. We've seen the team lists have come out for these. Some teams losing big names, obviously Rodder and Lucas leaving the Reds and Beal not going to be there at the Tars. Tars have had a few other injuries with people like Jake Gordon, Carmichael Hunt not going to be there. And so we're seeing some, some young names and some brand new teams here. Yep. Arch, do you... How should we do this? I mean, you got... The Waratahs very much have, have got a, a side that people will be unfamiliar with, and I'd say that, you know, the back line is there's a lot of surprises in there. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a rebuilding time, I think, for the Tars. Bill's stepped away, and, look, it's, it's feeling very unfamiliar at the moment. So I'll run through this team quickly. I mean, the front row is sort of, as we've seen it, Tom Robinson's not there injured as well, but we do have... Young Angus Bell, uh, we have Robbie Abel, we have Harry Johnson Holmes, Ned Hannigan after facing some ongoing concussion issues earlier in the year is back to make his debut for 2020, partnering Rob, Rob Simmons in the row, um, and then you have Swinton Hooper, and a name that sounds really similar to some other names from the under 20s, but uh, Will Harris, no, not Will Harrison, no, not Harry Wilson, Will Harris <laughs> there at number eight, who is. One of the under-20s, um, not stars, was a bit of a backup behind the two um, young guns from Queensland, but still is, is an imposing figure in there at eight. And then you have Short and Will Harrison at the nine and ten combo. You have um, Joey Walton, who stood out in a few trial games in at 12 with partnering Alex Newsom, And then the back three, you've got Maddox at fullback, you've got Ram, um, and then you have, who's on the other wing? 
No Wanganita Wasa. Ah, well done, Toby. You said that. Nailed it. That's right. So I think my first impressions of this team, I'm less worried about the forwards than I thought I would be. That's that's one that's one thing I want to say. I think Hannigan coming back, I know he has his critics, but he's a guy at the peak of his powers as a, a pretty abrasive player, big engine, um, does a load of work around the field, but can still carry the ball. And I think we'll need that with the fact we still got Simmons there. Uh, back row look pretty abrasive again. I think we're in good shape there. I think if Will Harris can step up and do anything that Harry Wilson's been doing, then we'll be looking pretty good. And the front row, um, particularly in the props, I think Angus Bell's a, a future Wallaby. Um, seen lots of good things from him early on this this year. And Harry Johnson Holmes, probably in the in the in the shade a little bit this year, but I think he's still probably going to start improving again. Um, so yeah, forwards looking pretty strong. Backline though, I think you guys probably have some comments on. I I don't really know what to to think is going to happen with this backline. I think Will Harrison. It's good that he's retained his position there at ten, but the rest it's it's looking pretty unknown. I do like that we're obviously got that nine ten combination there. The under twenties guys coming through is it's Darcy like it's Short's just not a nine ten combination. Wasn't sure what? the Michael McDonald's, no, been around Michael for a McDonald's on the bench um, is oh, uh, under twenties player. Well, potentially if yeah, if he comes on, we'll see. I like seeing the the twenties guys getting their opportunities, so they are on the on the starting lineup and and on the bench. I think it's just the right time to let these guys in. We've got a a competition that is here, so we've got something to watch. It's not a it's not the, the annual Super Rugby competition. It's something else. We don't know if we'll be back next year. We don't know what it'll look like next year. So you've got nothing to lose. This is this is the opportunity to start just throwing some guys in in combinations you think might work. You see the potential. You're not encumbered with guys like Beal who um, now have departed and, and you know, you're know probably a little bit wary of, of upsetting and, and causing a bit of a rift in the team. It's just he's helped, he's helped Rob Penny out. He's taken himself out of the equation, and some of the injuries have done the same thing. You know, it, you could get anything out of these guys. They might have been working really hard. It might be all the the young, earnest, hardworking guys. No one's full of themselves. No one's got any hang-ups because they haven't really got any history. Um, I think it's a great opportunity. I, I really don't know what to expect either, but I'm excited that these guys don't have, um, you know, the, the heavy weight around their shoulders of of unsuccessful recent history it's a fresh new team they can feel fresh they can feel different you know the sky's the limit sort of thing and they're coming up against my reds who are awesome and stacked and they're gonna have to lift and i i have optimism that they will lift as opposed to feeling overawed because again you got nothing to lose this competition is a completely new ball game there's some new rules everyone's been out of sorts everyone's gonna have lost that that match and game game sort of fitness and, and consciousness just from being in isolation for so long. Go out there, have some fun, play to your instincts and and don't get too hung up on, on the result this early. Leah, well, yeah, can I just say you're a trader as well. Like you had Archie last year with the Rebels buying the shorts. Um Leo's now on the Reds. I mean 
let's let's be true to ourselves. We're from New South Wales. We're Waratahs supporters. You have to stick with them. I know it's enticing to, to support Queensland when they're strong, but you weren't interested in them maybe three years ago. Oh, sorry. Gee whiz. I've <laughs> only been interested in them since Brad Thorne took over and brought all that potential from Queensland country. Not quite think, on the bandwagon. The Waratahs know, haven't given me much to love, so... So, no, I've been pro-Queensland for at least a couple of seasons while we've been doing this, and I'm just really happy that they're competitive. And I'm actually – I see the same opportunity in the Waratahs now because I just just feel like there was too much losing negative energy with some of these guys at the Waratahs. They haven't developed guys. Now we've got opportunity to unleash some fresh talent in, in some combinations that maybe they've experienced before. Like I said, sky's the limit. Like, I'm still seeing myself as a as a Waratahs supporter. <laughs> I'm a lot more excited now than I was at the start of the season or last year. All right, stop you bickering, boys. Um, let's give us give us one to watch from the Waratahs. Someone that people may not have heard of, and one to watch from the Reds um, in this clash coming up on the Friday. Go pick Paisami for the Reds. So we've seen a bit of him. He was the the I suppose. He became the incumbent after Jordan Patea was knocked out again early in the season. Um, he will be running at 13. He's a bruising outside center, quick, skillful. Um, look, he's just he'll, he'll keep things uh, honest down that that lane against Newsom. Newsom will, will be busy. I don't think he uh, can't handle him by any means, but he'll be an excitement machine. He's got a good offload. Uh, I, I think Paisami will be very busy for the Reds this weekend. I wouldn't say from the Tars that Maddox is an unknown quantity, but I think he's really... I mean, he showed some good form for the Rebels and he's been in the Wallabies frame for a little while, but he, I don't think he's ever really hit top gear. And I'm he's at now at his favoured position at 15, I believe. Um, this is his opportunity. Bill's out of the frame. And he's one of the more experienced guys in this backline. So I think it's really his time to step up, shine, take some leadership in this backline, support Will Harrison. We know he's got a good pass on him. We know he's got a good skill set. He's quick. I think he really needs to impose himself on this game. Um, this is his opportunity. And so Jack Maddox is someone I think everyone should be watching. And if if the hype is real, if he can really live up to that, I think look he's a future star for the Tars. He's in his home state again. He's right where he needs to be at the right time, and I just think he really needs to put in some good performances and and show what you know similar to what Will Jordan's doing for the Crusaders. Impose yourself under the high ball, you know, back yourself in space, and I see potential there. But I, I want to see him deliver on that. Well, that's right. And Rennie's come out and said that. It's all going to be based on Super Rugby form on Wallaby selections um, for whatever chances they get this year, which won't be many. Um, so this is a chance for someone like Maddox to stand up and put his name alongside the likes of Haylett Petty and Tom Banks um, around the competition. For me, two mm. names that I wanted to highlight, I mentioned, as I said, the teams, Joey Walton um, had some good flashes in preseason. He gets his chance at 12 He's another under-20s talent. Um, I think he could put some pressure in through that channel that Hamish Stewart's going to be defending for the Reds. Um, And also, props to Fraser McWright, former under-20s captain, um, has pushed Liam Wright to six 
to get the start at seven. Um, first start for the Queensland Reds for this guy, and he's always he's a guy who just has mountains of energy, similar to Hooper in that regard, but um, absolutely dominant at the breakdown, um, and he's going to be looking to turn over lots of ball for his team. Let's um let's also focus on <clears throat> Swinton. I think is a another guy that has a real opportunity. He's managed to keep Dempsey out of that back row um, alongside Will Harris. I think they're the two that could shuffle around a bit. So Swinton, he's got the aggression. He's got the passion for the jersey. I think he's in the right sort of mould for a guy that we need going forward for the Waratahs and Wallabies. He's got the body type. He's got everything going for him. He just needs to put performances together. And I think, again, this is a good set of games that he can really put forward his case for future selections, you know, both in state level and international level. 97 for aggression, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great, great, great job by the social media department at the TARS. Come out with a random ranking system. Um, for a single player. I mean, it's good that to doesn't... get exposure. It's good to get exposure to these guys. We need to be, they're in a rebuild. We know that. We need to be building the profile of these future, future stars of the game and, it all starts here, but it can't just be in, you know, empty backing. He really has to, he really has to put performances together, guys like that. That before maybe you know you see flashes, you see glimpses, but you never see a full game of it. So that's what I want to see from him. So what are your tips, boys? That's what everyone wants to know. Reds. <laughs> Welcome to the bandwagon, Toby. I'm not supporting them. I just, I'd put money on them. They look, yeah. they look like they've got a, a great team. Hopefully, I just, I'm hoping that the the recent pay disputes haven't left a bit of taste in in some of the mouths of the players. And and Brad Thorne still has full backing of that team. I, I'd hate to see that be derailed um, from some of the off the field stuff. Uh, I, I think that they're, you know, we're going to see in the opening few rounds um, where they're placed. I'm going to say Reds as well, and I'm going to I'm going to say within a penalty, even yeah. though I think the Reds team is very strong. I really don't know um, what the Waratahs will bring, and I'm I'm going to be really optimistic and think that this game will just be tit for tat, point to point, kick, try, try, kick, back and forth, and I think they'll keep it fairly close. Um, I don't as long as the the weather's nice and clear up in Queensland, I think it'll be a really good game. I'll say Reds by 12. I, I think I'm leaning more towards you, Leo. I think it'd be, it'll be really close. And I think I think the Tars might actually have a chance to win their points in this game. But I think that's mainly because these players are going to be rusty. So it's going to come down to um, maintaining sort of that defense and maintaining that good attitude towards the end of the game, um, which we should see the Reds be able to do. But... I think that there is a strong chance that they they falter a little bit in this this first run back on the pitch. Moving on to Saturday night, you have the Brumbies, you have the Rebels. The Rebels relocated very early um, to Canberra due to ongoing sort of COVID nineteen issues through Victoria. Yeah, good call. That definitely a great call. Um, but Brumbies obviously were at the forefront of the Australian competition. They haven't had any of the fallout losing players or any disputes. They seem reasonably settled. There hasn't been a lot in the news about them. 
Um, and the Rebels, they still have all those names and these laws, as you said, Liam, might actually benefit them with, with a couple of players with some really big boots and some really good tactical kicking. Does that give the Rebels an edge in this one? I don't think it gives them an an edge that would see them favorited over the Brumbies. The Brumbies are still benchmark, um, just quietly plying their business. Uh, I think they're, they're, they're still going to be the strongest side. But I do like, I guess, the opportunity that presents the Rebels because it still feels like the Rebels have a lot of talent. They haven't unlocked it, whether it's combinations or just position sort of switches and just haven't quite settled into a rhythm and, now, potentially, you can offer a lot more opportunities to some of those backline players to, to break out into open space if you're able to really capitalise on those kicking rules. And they're going to have to show it early. Like, they're going to have to go for some of those kicks early, even if it's a kind of nothing move at the time. You've got to say, yes, we're going to, we're going to go for this. Make sure you're keeping those wingers honest. And then the Rebels have talent all up and down the forwards and backs. So massive opportunity for them. Uh, but Brumby's very smart side, very skillful, and really, really solid defense. Uh, can't wait to see Lalesio back in action. He was a real star start of this year. I think the Brumbies are still going to be favorites, but uh, again, I think it'll be close. For how good the Brumbies were early on in the year, I just, yeah, I've, I've real hopes for them in this competition, but I, I'm not sure they'll be able to hit their straps straight away, and it may be a little bit of an advantage to the Rebels here. They they didn't start strongly earlier in the year, and I think Vessels, he's had his chances there. Like, he's not going to get too many more. With the roster they've had over the last few years, they haven't delivered ultimate success, and I think the pressure was on him. It's alleviated a little bit here, but um, there's some of the, the more senior players in that Rebels team that, are, that will be really pushing for Wallaby's contention. Um, I'm thinking primarily Matt Tamua. I'm thinking Billy Meeks, guys like that that maybe have just been on the fringe before. So I think there'll be a lot of desperate guys in the Rebels there to really step up and impress. Um, I think as a unit, the Brumbies, a lot more formidable, but Rebels with desperation, maybe they're settled in Canberra and they have a shot in this one. As a side thought, do you think of all the Australian sides in the current uh, climate and with the current roster, are the Rebels the most at risk if they perform poorly that all these guys maybe don't give a good enough showing to be a lock for the Wallabies and all suddenly start looking overseas? Because there's quite a few big names in that side. If they're not successful at the Rebels and this younger generation coming through starts getting the selections, I would think that a lot of guys are going to go, well, you know what? Japan's looking pretty good right now. Or I maybe... Maybe they will go across to to France. Like I just let's think about it now. That's that's a big risk for the Rebels team and 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 brand. If a lot of those guys bail when then if they're not successful this year, I think that's been that's been a trend though over the last couple of years. Even with guys like Luke Luke Jones who came back, didn't get Wallabies. You know, didn't get into the Wallabies like he wanted to, and he's gone again. I feel like um, there's a bigger cliff edge here though. Like there's a lot of on the back line. Tamua. You know, Hodge, Tom England, or Tom, Tom English. They're <laughs> <Billy laughs> already already thinking about it. Like, there's a lot of guys there who could command a decent pay in either Japan or in Europe, and yeah. they're on the precipice of either something great or potentially almost complete dismantlement. 
Yeah, I think, look, last year I think was their year. It didn't happen for them. I think they're a slightly lesser team this year. Um, but, you know, they've still got a pretty decent roster and they should be seeing some success. I think you're right. Vessels could go if this season doesn't go to plan. Um, and along with him, I think a lot of those guys that have been under him might move on as well. So this is a real um, crunch. It's crunch time for the Rebels. I think they need to perform at a high level. The payroll down there for a while has been ridiculous. They haven't really built the profile that they needed to in Melbourne. And they're at risk with the reformatting of Super Rugby for next year. You know, people still talk about going back to three teams for Australia generally. Mm. So the Brumbies are strong and the Rebels are, you know, on a knife edge. You know, despite the market opportunities down there in Melbourne, I could see Super Rugby only fielding three teams from Australia in the next five years. That could happen again. And it's be a real shame losing both the force and the rebels but in some ways have they earned the right to remain i don't know like they seem to have been given a lot of talent a lot of opportunity down there and not really delivered a whole lot so let's hope for vessels' sake and some of these key players still for the wallabies that remain there i think you know i think it's going to be a time where they perform well um in a domestic competition but you know, this is a real big test against the Brumbies. You know, let's not forget how good the Brumbies were. I think it'll be a close game. I'm going to take the Brumbies, but I think there's going to be plenty of surprises the Rebels throw at them. Um, I just think the Brumbies are smart enough to know that. They analyse teams so well, more similar to the Crusaders. They play to their system so well. Um, yeah. Brumbies by, by five for me. I think the Brumbies are going to take it pretty convincingly i think five's very generous to the rebels um they're not a team that seems to that started well at the start of this year and i can't see the break being the thing that's going to help them that much so yeah i think you're right i think the brumbies are, are still going to be the benchmark of which we look at this system and look at this competition a couple of news items that just popped up um for us i wanted to bring your guys attention to one being Josh Awani has been ruled out of this weekend. Um, Aaron Major was positive about his chances of playing earlier in the week, but Tony Brown today came out and put a damper on that. Um, the other bigger news, though, is it looks like they're announcing that Japan and Fiji will be joining um, the Northern Hemisphere competition at the end of the year. Whether this is an ongoing thing or whether this is a one-time Thing. They're looking to partner into an international tournament with the Northern Hemisphere. Geez, that's stealing guys right from, out from under our noses. Like that's time zone wise, I guess season and and timing of schedules not necessarily, but definitely um, you know proximity to Australia and New Zealand. Those are the sorts of sides you would hope to bring in uh, to a competition with us and and keep developing that that local competition exactly. with potential of expansion. So that yeah, that's interesting, and it might just be opportune this year with different circumstances, coronavirus, all the rest. Um, also interesting that they that they see, you know, there's major potential for an expanded Northern Hemisphere competition when really there's still a fair bit of, um, I suppose, risk with with coronavirus being fairly uh, un uncontrolled at least in the UK. I don't know how this probably. Europe's doing a slightly better job 
Well, I guess it's the same thing that you're seeing in the States as well. They're, they're looking at ways around it, whether that's putting these things in hubs, putting teams um, in isolation so they don't have sort of that regular contact and that chance to spread it and regular testing for these guys because it's such a massive sort of financial um, implications if they don't get any of these sort of income from any of these competitions. They they really look to see how they can get around those issues. The other I've got thing- one thing to add. Anything to declare? Yeah, don't go to England. Is that a is that a plea to to Japan and Fiji not to not to leave before we can add them to the rugby championship? Absolutely, <laughs> I can vouch for that. Don't do it, <laughs> Boris Johnson in charge. Just don't come here. Don't go to England. Also, some exciting news out of Auckland. Um, Dan Carter will play club rugby for Southbridge this weekend. First time in six years. Um, you know what's coming. You know what's coming. Well, it means that he's going to be pulling on that blue jersey versus the Crusaders in two weeks. 100%. This is the, this is the get the legs warm. Bench, yeah, of course. Off the, the bench. bench. It's got to ha- Like, surely they'll do that. Like, okay. it's hard because they're in such a good position. And, like, who will they sacrifice for that? But, I, I mean, how much do you really lose with Dan Carter? You probably won't play... You know, Rather than Harry Plummer, like I think it just—it's going to yeah. fire up the Crusaders even more. Like you've got former, um, you know, great Crusader Leon McDonald leading the charge there in the coaching box um, for the Blues, and then yeah. you've got DC coming off the bench in the second half. Crazy! Yeah. Well, that's oh, going to be good. a great game, Archie. Can you get down there, Arch? I don't know if it's worth going to Christchurch. For, Christchurch. If anything is, <laughs> if anything is, maybe this is the time. They have a pretty good um, home bar in Christchurch for the Crusaders, man. They're um, they're like what, whatever, whatever it is in the center of town. There, it's like an old converted theater. It's pretty solid. It's still, it's still standing. It's okay. Yeah, I, I watched, I watched the All Blacks game versus the Wallabies there, and we won. And I think I was one of four people in there <laughs> watching, and it was insane. Might be worth the trip, Arch. I'll have to look into some flights then. <laughs> I'm currently going on the website. All right, and just to remember that with the Super Rugby Australian competition, obviously the Running Rugby pod pool will be continuing with that. Um, We were outclassed by old Teddy Flanagan um, in this past week, got the maximum amount of points in both games. Um, Correctly picking the margin precisely in the Chiefs game, but also the closest for the Blues one. So well done, Teddy Flanagan. Um, remember, you can join that on Super Brew. Uh, and remember to catch up. We'll be putting up any news with the rest of the teams and um, any other news on our social media, at Instagram, at Running Rugby Podcast, and on Twitter, at Running Rugby Pod. So keep up with everything there. Boys, I'm so excited to see the Waratahs come back out and beat the Queensland Reds this Friday night. How about you? If it happens, as long as it's a good game, I have only good things to say. <laughs> I don't want them to be bad. I just want them to lose their their you know losing ways, their negative energy. Let's let's get back on top, Waratahs. Sure, sure. It's the beginning of this beginning of a new era. Great things to come. <laughs> let's go, boys. We can do this.
Sounds good to me. Make sure you are all downloading and subscribing on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Um, That's all from us this week, guys. Keep on running. Run.